Hey, thanks so much for listening to Ask Me Another. You should try out the NPR One app for your phone for conversations you will not hear anywhere else. This week, find Guy Raz's exclusive interview with TED curator Chris Anderson, where they discuss the TED phenomena and the secrets to giving the perfect TED talk. Find their conversation by searching TED Radio on the NPR One app, where you can also find stories from your local station and more great podcasts. The NPR One app is available in your app store right now. Warning. The following content has been deemed inappropriate for the radio. It may also be inappropriate for children, offices, or sensitive grandparents. Please put on your headphones. From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. Here's your host... Ophira Eisenberg. Puzzles, the final frontier. These are the quizzes of the radio show, Ask Me Another. It's trivial mission to explore strange new words, to seek out nerd life and nerd civilizations, to boldly play games with VIPs that no VIPs have played before. VIP is one of the most acclaimed actors of our time, starring in everything from Star Trek and X-Men to Shakespeare and Beckett. Our VIP is Sir Patrick Stewart. Our first game is called This Is Not Happening, and here to play it are Casey D'Amico and Fred Strauss. So what guilty apps do you have on your phone? Guilty pleasure apps. Instagram. Instagram. My cat. I take a lot of pictures. <laughs> I was like, Instagram's fine. They're like, my cat. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. How about you, Fred? Trivia crack, quiz up, and you can do some guilty things with just a web browser. <laughs> well, with the other trivia apps, I just can't even imagine what you're up to. So this game is called This Is Not Happening because according to recent estimates, there are about 1.5 million apps out there, but only about 12 of them are useful. <laughs> so we've decided to examine some of the more bizarre apps that are out there, and for an example of what we are talking about, let's go to our tech expert and house musician, Jonathan Colton. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know I had both of those titles, but that's nice. Thank you. So... The Annoyateen app emits piercing, high-frequency tones that most adults have lost the ability to hear. It's guaranteed to drive the juvenile delinquents at home crazy, as well as your dogs. Is that a real app or a fake app? It's real. You don't have to worry about that, but isn't it scary that that is real? Yeah, and that all teenagers are juvenile delinquents, I suppose. Well, yeah, it's, it's true. They're awful. They're awful. No offense, teenagers. No offense. But you're terrible. Just tell us, is the clue an app, or is it not an app? And the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. All right, this one's for you, Fred. The fart and burp analyzer. So have you ever been around someone that let out a terrible smelling fart or burp? Have you ever wondered what those people ate? <laughs> well, now you have a way of finding out. And uh, just a note, this includes a fartometer and a burpometer. I'm going to say that's not real. 
you know, that is a real app. It's a real app. I can't imagine it is very accurate, but it is. A... Where do you have to put the phone? I, I don't think they oh, analyze a... chemicals yeah, in the air. Yeah, you have air, to buy another. You have added... to buy a separate extension. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it though. It's really fun at parties. <laughs> Casey, is it dark outside? Based on your current location and time zone, this app determines if it is dark outside or not. I would I have to say that's real. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> All right, Fred. Am I high? Jonathan's just asking that. <laughs> Through a series of cognitive tests and puzzles, this app helps to determine if the user is under the influence of marijuana, which is apparently some kind of a drug, and if so, for how long? Is that real or fake? I'm going to go real. Sorry, that is fake. <laughs> Although it seems like an excellent opportunity for someone. There you go. I don't know what the, how you'd figure that out, what the questions would be. Cognitive tests? Yeah. Are, are you using... It's dark outside? Yes, yeah. that would be... <laughs> Everyone just types, how long till this is over? That's all. That should be the app. <laughs> Casey, I don't think so. Need to reject a suitor's advances, but don't know what to say? This app generates turndown lines for all situations. Settings include let them down gently, scold them, and burn them. That's just too perfect. It has to be real. Sorry, people oh. can still do that on their own. <laughs> So that is fake. Yeah, I know. It sounds like a good sounds idea. Sounds like perfect. Yeah. All right, Fred, this is for you. It's called sunglasses. Left your shades at home? Don't worry, bro. This app simulates seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Just select a lens type, hold the phone up to your eyes, and your phone will display the world as if you're looking through sunglasses. I'll say real. That is real. <laughs> I, they probably don't look like very cool sunglasses from the outside, <laughs> is the only problem. Just you just like have, a, you have an iPhone stuck to your face. <laughs> you look like a crazy person. Shy selfie. Selfies are a necessary part of modern life. But what if you don't want people to know that you are taking one? This app hides the screen image, so even when the camera is pointed at you, no one can tell why you're just standing in an awkward position... <laughs> Smiling. Not real? I wish. <laughs> That's real. Oh. Yeah, that is real. No, yeah, nobody would use that because if you're taking a selfie, you totally want to be noticed. You're like, woo! It's, right? it's true, it's true. It's a, what else could you be doing also? Is the other... Oh, sunglasses, so getting you your sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> Puzzle guru Art Chung, how did our contestants do? We actually have a tie. All right, here we go. Fox News Translator. This app listens to Bill O'Reilly or Megyn Kelly and then outputs calm, rational discussions about climate change, President Obama, and the war on Christmas. The Fox News Translator is fair and rebalanced. Casey. Real. No, I'm sorry, that's oh. false. Fred, you're our winner. <laughs> Congratulations, Fred. You're moving on to our final round. Let's say hello to our next contestants, Steffi Khan and Pak Malamed. 
both of you are word nerds in your own right. Steffi, you are a crossword solver. Yeah, um, I've made it through Wednesday, but that's really? it's okay. <laughs> Wednesday in the New York Times. Yeah. Some people never get past Monday, ever, yeah. in their entire lives. Yeah. Do you understand that? That yeah. person's me. Yeah. <laughs> and Puck, you, this, this might be above me, but you specialize in bilingual puns? Yeah, so I'm a Ukrainian immigrant, my family and I speak Russian at home, and we just in daily conversation frequently pun between Russian and English. Oh my goodness. So um, my sister used to have this little ceramic owl that was in a pot, like on a spring, and it, you would like push it down and it would bounce back up. There's a certain species of owl that in Russian is called filin, so my sister would say, I have a filin I can't hide. Totally worth it. That was totally worth it. So this game is called Totally False Eponyms. And whenever I deal with a word ending with N-Y-M, I bring it over to our puzzle guru, Art Chung. Well, Afira, as you should remember from that R.E.M. Greatest Hits collection, Eponymous, an eponym is something named after a person. So, for example, the bacteria known as Salmonella was named by its discoverer after his boss, Dr. Daniel Salmon. And then he got fired. So in this game, we're going to make up origin stories for eponymous items. I'm going to give you clues about something that contains the name of a well-known person, as if that person was the inventor or creator of that thing. So if I said, bored with their Stairway to Heaven tour bus, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page created this hydrogen-filled airship to travel to future gigs, you would say... Zeppelin. Here we go. When Conan O'Brien's sidekick isn't sitting on the couch, he's out in the field measuring earthquakes using this magnitude number system. Steffi. Richter. Scale. Yes, exactly. <laughs> A musician created this bladed fighting tool in his 1970s glam rock days to help him open up those makeup kits that transformed him into Ziggy Stardust. Puck. Uh, a Bowie knife. Yes, a Bowie knife. I have to admit, not being familiar immediately with a Bowie knife, I guess because I've never had to cut large things, uh, I was like, David Bowie has merchandise? That is so <laughs> sad. And then I thought about it. Some great opportunities. <laughs> you thought it was like an as-seen-on-TV uh, product? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the Bowie knife. Like the Bowie, like, steak knives yeah, yeah, right. and the uh, Ziggy Stardust Devil or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Under pressure cooker. I feel oh, like that's there's... nice. <laughs> <laughs> the bald-headed star of the Fast and Furious franchise really gets into his work doing thermal efficiency experiments in his trailer and creating this type of fuel. Steffi. Diesel. Yeah, diesel. <laughs> this time period known for its ornamental style of art and furniture takes its name from David Beckham's wife, a time lord, who transported her posh design skills back to 19th century England. Steffi. Victorian. Victorian, yes, exactly. After the newspaper incorrectly announced his defeat of Harry Truman, a former New York governor gave up politics and created a numerically based method for organizing his local library. Puck. The Dewey Decimal System. That is correct. 
I love you guys because no other crowd would laugh at a clue like that. You're like, oh my god. This is, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Former New York governors, oh my god. I know. <laughs> Tired of being laughed at, a comic strip boy proposed this doctrine to his stuffed tiger, emphasizing the inherent moral corruption of humankind <laughs> and predestination. Steffi. Calvinism? Yes, you are correct. Hobbes, of course, was more into social contract theory. <laughs> Let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung. How did our contestants do? Both contestants were fantastic, but Steffi, you're moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Coming up, our first very important puzzler, who's a sir. On his new Stars television show, Blunt Talk, he takes on the role of a hard-drinking, coke-sniffing, sanctimonious talk show host. So we'll talk to Sir Patrick Stewart about classing up this scoundrel into a role worthy of knighthood. So stick around, you're not gonna wanna miss it. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from fifth generation maker of Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito Beverage, yeah, that's his real name, incorporates the concepts of artisan craftsmanship found in boutique wineries into the spirits industry to create Tito's Handmade Vodka. And Tito still uses the time-honored pot still batch distillation process at the original distillery where he started it all in Austin, Texas. Tito's Handmade Vodka is made from corn and is naturally gluten-free. Support for Ask Me Another and the following message comes from Starry Station, the touchscreen router for fast Wi-Fi. Starry Station was designed to give you a better way to game, stream, and surf throughout your home. You can see your entire network at a glance, get suggestions on how to fix problems, and finally know if you're getting the internet speed you pay for. It even has parental controls that let you block usage on specific devices during certain hours of the day. Learn more about Starry Station at starry.com slash askmeanother. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me right now is our very important puzzler, Sir Patrick Stewart. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank We're happy you. to have you. I know this was not much of a commute for you, because you're now a neighborhoodie. But nevertheless, I still had my limo drive me here and <laughs> You know, you have to keep up appearances. That's what it's all about that's, in show business. It doesn't matter how, whether you're good or bad, appearance is everything. And I don't think sirs walk. No, no way. No, no, no. Actually, they should be carried. I think so. <laughs> I've never talked to a sir before, and I'm just wondering, it's an honor, was this something that you... As a, even as a kid, just dreamed of uh, being knighted? 
being a sir? Yeah. I just dreamed of hoping there was some food for the next meal. <laughs> that was all. Almost everything about my adult life, I guess from the age of, can I call myself an adult at 19? Yes, definitely. Actually, I was an adult at 10. I matured very, very early. I was never a teenager, you know, in, in the sense, the common sense of, a friend of mine said recently, the thing you must understand about teenagers is they're not people. And, um, and, it, and it is so true. <laughs> no, I tell you truly, I, I do pinch myself from time to time because when I was first really passionately interested in acting, and that meant theater, not movies. I went to yeah. the movies, but the movies were an escape for me. They were a fantasy land. But the theater was what I pursued. That, that was, for me, romance. And, but my heroes were Sir Laurence Olivier, Sir John Gielgud, Sir Alec Guinness, Sir John Clements, Sir Donald Wolfitt. And, and, and these were the establishment. And of course, they were all old, too. You know? So they were, they were remote feeling to me. And as some people may know, I'm, I'm very close to a dear friend, Ian McKellen. And when we were... Yeah. And uh, I remember him saying to me one day, you know, Patrick, we're now them. And I said, who? He said, those actors, those remote, heroes, those gods that we admired so much. It's now us, but nothing feels to have changed. Everything is the same. And I said, you're right. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel at all that I should belong to that hierarchy of, of these theater knights and dames. But all of a sudden, Helen Mirren, whom I've known and worked with for 45 years, she's a dame of the yeah. British Empire. And this revered person and, and others. So it's where was I going with this, Ophelia? You were just going to say that now you're part of this, uh, you know, these dames and these, these oh, sirs. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I guess you all oh, hang yes, out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I would ask you to marry me, but it's too late. I'm already married. Because you, could, you, sometimes it takes me a while to get back into where I was. We, we could talk um, about a harem situation. <laughs> But I think my husband wants to also come. Yeah, yeah, sure, you sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, they say, how can you be a passionate member of the left wing and at the same time accept a knighthood? Hmm. Pretty easy. Well, well, it was. <laughs> yeah, but um, I accepted the knighthood and this is genuine, it's not bullshit. Sorry. That's all right. All good. This is NPR. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work it all out. Don't it's worry cool. about it. Oh, yeah, it's all yeah. good. You know, I think of your role on this new television show, Blunt Talk, where you play a man named Walter Blunt, which is not the first time you've used that name. No, no. <laughs> It was my pseudonym for nearly 25, 30 years. Not anymore, of course. <laughs> I've, I've blown that, it's gone. Uh, yeah. it, it, Walt, so Walter Blunt was the first character that I ever played when I joined the Royal Shakespeare Company in 1966. He's a very minor character in a 
the first part of Henry IV, and he dies really rather comically and miserably at the end of the play. <laughs> we're, we're talking about this new television series I have coming out. It's about a, a British journalist, media person who has his own five nights a week news program, a half hour news program. And um, I had been meeting and talking with our creative genius behind this, uh, Jonathan Ames. Jonathan Ames, is... fantastic. Yeah, and he said, oh, come on, look, we've been talking about this character now for, for months. We've got to give him a name. Is there a name? Actually, this was done by email. He said, I like combining famous names, you know. And I, I don't know, the only name that I've ever been drawn to is a name I've used for 30 years, Walter Blunt. And within seconds came back an email, and the title of our show is Blunt Talk. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's why he's a clever writer and I'm just an actor. <laughs> that is amazing. Like that. Patrick, we are going to subject you to your own challenge a little later in the show. But right now, as you know, you are going to actually help us out with a game. Let's welcome Mary-Kate Polinen and Ali Desjardin. Now, Mary-Kate, you work for an ad agency specializing in Hispanic marketing, and Allie works in marketing operations at an employee benefits operating systems. It's very long, but that's what it Software is. Software company. Software company. So you both are used to convincing people of stuff. In Spanish. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, what is the worst hit song, let's say, in the last two decades? Mary Anything Kate. by Nickelback? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Allie, was that what you were going to say, too? No. Oh. No, I think that, I mean, like, everyone loves to hate on Nickelback. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, too no, obvious. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Too obvious. Like, oh, just, they're not as bad as everyone says sure. they are. I, I, you're not making any friends here, Allie. <laughs> sorry. I think maybe my worst song of the past two decades would be Britney Spears' Perfume, which was just a shameless plug for all of her perfume. Good to know. Well, everyone knows if you want something to sound smart and highbrow is you have to get a British person to say it. <laughs> and since we have the smartest, classiest Brit with us... So we've given Sir Patrick some song lyrics that are well-known but aren't quite the level of Shakespeare that he might be used to, but he's going to recite them with all of his usual eloquence and gravitas. So you just have to ring in when you know the answer, and we're looking for the name of the song. Sir Patrick, take it away. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. She was the best damn woman that I ever seen. She had the sightless eyes, telling me no lies, knocking me out with those American... Thighs. Allie. Shook me all night long. Yes! <laughs> now, Sir Patrick, I go to you on this one. What is the difference between British thighs and American thighs? Oh, the difference is huge. <laughs> Zinger, a zinger. I will be sorry for that remark in the morning. <laughs> I was speaking about uh, 
theatrical nights earlier. Yeah. Maybe this is how uh, Laurence Olivier might have read this one. <laughs> I know that I must do what's right. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside, frightened of this thing that I've become. <laughs> Mary-Kate, I don't think this is the title, but I come from a land down under. No, no, right, you're thinking a, a different thing, but yeah, I get it. Allie, any guesses? Africa. Yeah! <laughs> Well, uh, we, we're a little, had a little, a rather crude taste of Laurence Olivier. Here's maybe how John Gilgood might have read the section. <laughs> I tell you what I want. What I really, really want. <laughs> so. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. <laughs> really, 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 woman, zigzag off. All of a sudden, I saw a starving man who was desperate yeah, 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 yeah. to get something. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Allie, yeah, wannabe? That's three. Sorry, say, say that again. Wannabe? Now. Wannabe is correct, the Spice Girls, <laughs> yes. And your final clue. So just back to me now. <laughs> <clears throat> but a little acting required, I think, in this one. Screaming, crying. Perfect storms, I can make all the tables turn, rose garden filled with thorns, keep you second-guessing like, oh my God, who is she? I get drunk on jealousy, but you'll come back each time you leave, cause, darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. Mary-Kate. Blank space. Yes. Because I love the player and you love the game. That was amazing. Thank you so much. That was a very tight game and so much fun. Allie, you are the winner of this round. You'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round. Thank you again to Sir Patrick. We'll see you later in the show for your own challenge. For this next game, please welcome Brian Durkin and Tom Carter. Now, Brian, I, I usually do not indulge people in their proposal stories on this show, but I, you have a good one, and if you can keep it short, I really would love you to share it. Sure. So I proposed in Paris, France, and it was going to happen at the Eiffel Tower, but... There were some complications. Uh, I didn't realize the security there was so intense with like fatigues and like AK-47s and 
metal detector, so it was kind of tough to get the ring through, but... Um, <laughs> and how did it work out? Uh, we broke up, so... <laughs> I didn't know that's how the ending went. All yeah. right. Uh, Tom, are you married? I am. My wife, Karen, is here with me tonight. And how did you meet your wife? Uh, we met at work. Uh, we smiled at each other a lot in the elevator and the hallways. Oh. Really? But I had to do a little bit of background research first and find some folks who, who knew something about her, got the information, and then ambushed her at the copy machine. Congratulations, and I uh, hope things are okay for you, Brian. Yeah, things are good. Things are worked out? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, get, I get around. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, you're both good at chemistry, uh, but let's see how you do with physics, Jonathan. Yes, this game is called Scientific Rhymerific. In this game, a scientific concept will be described in each clue, as well as some other considerably less scientific term that rhymes with it. And you will have to give us the two-word rhyming answer. A little complicated, puzzle guru Art Chung, can you give us an example? The physicists thought they had achieved a reaction in which atomic nuclei form a heavier nucleus with the release of energy, but it was just a mirage or trick. So the answer to that clue is fusion illusion. So, all right, settle down, everybody. It's not that big a deal. I appreciate you trying to add a little drama into the show. So each clue will be cluing two different words. A two-word phrase is what we're looking for. The first word will always be the scientific term. The winner will go on to the final round at the end of the show. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, ready. here we go. This is the partially digested food that gets regurgitated by celestial bodies with icy tails orbiting the sun. Brian. Vomit, comet? Yes, except... Comet, vomit? Yes, okay. that's right. <laughs> When the astronauts returned from outer space and again felt the force that attracts a body toward the center of the Earth, they celebrated with a wild party full of moral wickedness. Gravity oh. de sorry. Gravity depravity? You are correct. <laughs> this extreme pressure or tension was exerted on the subway train that only made select stops. Tom. Compression expression? That's a, that's a good guess. That's not, not what we're looking for. Do you know the answer, Brian? Uh, compress express? Now he's just saying with the chung. I don't know why it's a compress. That's kind I don't, of a the scientific term. That is a scientific term, not the term we're looking for. We were looking for stress express. Mean old puzzle guru Archung says no. <laughs> the getaway driver was trying to control her vehicle against a twisting force that tends to cause rotation when she arrived at the point where two roads diverged. Will she take the one less traveled by? That's just me wondering. I don't know. Tom. A torque fork. That's right. <laughs> You guys both began to sweat somewhere in the middle of that pause. Inhaling this hot ionized gas, often found in flat screen TVs, can lead to a chronic respiratory condition that causes wheezing and coughing. Tom. Plasma asthma. You are right. Yeah. This is your last clue. Wow, that object supplying electrical power to your smartphone is truly amazing, she said 
in a fit of insincere praise. Tom. Battery flattery. That's right. Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Looks like Tom did his homework because he's moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Coming up, we'll beam our VIP Patrick Stewart into the puzzle hot seat and engage his Shakespearean brain. It will feel like we're all at the Loeb Theater. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, History. This Memorial Day, the groundbreaking series Roots returns with a new vision, a story of survival, hope, and courage. Starring Forrest Whitaker, Lawrence Fishburne, Jonathan Rhys-Myers, Anika Noni-Rose, Anna Paquin, Tip T.I. Harris, and introducing Reggae Jean Page and Malachi Kirby as Kunta Kinte. The journey of an American family begins with a name. Roots premieres Memorial Day only on History. Hey, we wanted to let you know about one of your favorite NPR podcasts. It's back. Invisibilia returns with season two on June 17th. Invisibilia explores the invisible forces that shape human behavior. Thoughts, emotions, assumptions, expectations. And this season, Invisibilia goes to a prison, an oil rig, a McDonald's in Russia, and a beach in New Jersey to explore the invisible forces at play in our institutions, work, family, and governments. So you can catch up on season one anytime, and you can listen to a season two preview starting March 20th at npr.org podcasts and on your NPR One app. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. And here are our next two contestants, Pat Cates and Robin Stegman. (laughs) Pat, you seem to have a superpower. Uh, Do I? Yes, you... (laughs) claim that you have every best picture actress actor memorized in Oscar history. Can I try one on you? Sure. Just for fun? Yeah. Name two actors who won best actor two years in a row. Spencer Tracy uh, and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. You've proven your power. All right. (laughs) Now Robin... I know that you are a part-time pirate, and... I that I am. I'm just going to let you elaborate. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a pirate uh, in Baltimore. My name is Scurvy Sal. I get to sneeze on children for a living. They find it utterly delightful, uh, <laughs> by which I mean they run away screaming, and that's exactly what I want them to do. <laughs> that's incredible. All right. Well, this game is called Spoiled It Through the Grapevine, and it's a music game, so I turn it over to Jonathan Colton. Yes, thank you. And don't worry, just because this game has spoiled in the title, it is not about movies with big surprise endings that make you want to punch people who ruin them for you. And we have rewritten the hit, heard it through the grapevine, to be about famous movie endings. I will sing these clues, and you will name the movie. Are you ready? Ooh, I bet you're wondering how I knew You were the one I sent my emails to My superstore made your bookshop close but online, a faceless love just grows. I revealed my identity. 
when I was sure you'd forgiven me. Robin. You've got mail? That's right. Don't you know that it's time to leave Tokyo? Our bond was special, but I gotta go. Yeah, have to leave you scarred, Joe. My last words the audience won't know. I'm gonna whisper, yeah. Pat. Lost in translation? You got it. What did he say? What did he say? I don't, I don't know. He no. said the island was blown up at the end. That was yeah. it. <laughs> he didn't say, uh, my next role is the voice of Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know our love wasn't meant to be? Though he drew a naked sketch of me. No, our love was not meant to be. So I toss my necklace in the sea. My heart will go on. Pat. Titanic. You got it. People say this computer is dangerous. So I'll disconnect it, nothing to discuss. Pull through this tunnel, what do I behold? First I'm middle-aged and then I'm old. What is this monolith in front of me? I am a star child, now I see. Pat? 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Who knew that was prophetic, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like Hal is just a uh, like super polite, violent Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Just a Siri who wants to kill you. That's the only slight exactly. difference. But so passively polite yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. All right, this is your last clue. Don't you know that you're not supposed to cross the streams? But we have to stop Gozer schemes. No, you're not supposed to cross the streams. But that marshmallow man is too extreme. We gotta blast it, yeah. At Ghostbusters. That's right. Art Chung, how did they do? Spoiler alert, Pat is our winner. Congratulations, Pat. Let's welcome back our very important puzzler, Sir Patrick Stewart. Welcome back. Now, you've been associated with the Royal Shakespeare Company since 1966. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Is there a Shakespearean role that you have your eye on that you would still, that you're still wanting to play? Yeah, very much so. In Henry IV, part one and part two, there's a character who's quite famous, though he's not the leading character, Falstaff. And uh, he's funny and vile. You may ask yourselves why I am drawn to this role. Um, but he's a, a, an obnoxious, quite vicious, unpleasant man who happens to be very, very funny. And uh, I've always looked on it as being the, 
middle-aged or late middle-aged actors Hamlet. I will play it one day soon. You know, I, I love quiz shows. I love them. I watch them all my life. And I always want now what is it like to hold a buzzer in your hand? Big. Let's arm Big. it up for you. Yeah. I guess this means I've made it. <laughs> you have made it. Your game is called Brush Up Your Shakespeare, and it is about Shakespearean insults. Mm-hmm. The bard was, of course, a master of the put-down, and his plays are filled with some pretty brilliant smack talk. We're going to see how well you know his wicked words. So if you get enough correct, Hillary Ann Kotler of Columbia, Maryland, is going to win and ask me another prize. All right, Shakespearean insults. So in Henry IV, part two, a drunken Falstaff tells Mistress quickly, Away, you scullion, you rampallion, you fustilarian. I'll tickle your catastrophe. So what does I'll tickle your catastrophe mean? Um, It means that she intends to have some contact with his sexual organs. That was, that was NPR right there. <laughs> but let me go to our puzzle guru, uh, Art Chung. Well, who am I to say that <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart is wrong? <laughs> well, specifically, does it mean A, I'll break your leg, B, I'll spank your behind, or C, I'll massage your calves? Uh, For the word catastrophe. Catastrophe, oh, right, boy. what part of the body? Okay, oh, we, we will accept anything. <laughs> We will accept anything. <laughs> so, so, what, so what are my choices? Leg, behind, or calves? Why would he want to tickle her calves? <laughs> um, I mean, just let me throw it up to, no, no. Out to the audience. <laughs> Given the choice, would you rather have your calves tickled or your bottom? Ah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, it is behind. It's bottom. It's yeah. bottom. It is bottom. Art, I have never seen you squirm like that before. <laughs> All right. This is question number 100. Where are we? All right. In what play does a character named Aaron utter this immortal line, which is funny because it's true? Villain, I have done thy mother. I have not played that role, <clears throat> but I was on stage when it was spoken. I think that is from Titus Andronicus. That's correct. It's like the origin of the Yo Mama joke. Is that uh, where it starts? All right. In which play does a character tell three witches... You should be women, yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so... You just put this in to make me feel good, didn't you? (laughs) Well, yeah. It's what we in the English theatre fondly refer to as the Scottish play. Yes! We're still safe. We're still safe, since you answered that way. Yeah, um, when I started rehearsing Macbeth, oh, about eight years ago... No, 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 no. Listen to what I have to say. Um, 
you know, there is this superstition about Macbeth, and it's really serious. Actors will not call it anything else than the Scottish play. I said there is a little adjustment to this rule. If you have played the role of the Scottish Thane, then you are allowed to say the title anytime, anywhere. <clears throat> so I have to keep it down, but you're okay. I'm fine. Shakespeare was fond of the insult hobby horse, using it in five plays. In The Winter's Tale, Leontes says, To have nor eyes, nor ears, nor thought, then say, my wife's a hobby horse deserves a name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did he mean? Yeah. He meant that she was promiscuous. That is correct, yeah. Um, I feel like that still is, works. I, I, he was wrong. Uh, he is a deluded, uh, insanely jealous man who sees his wife as the center of all of his wicked fantasies. And he uh, kills her. Or at least she dies because of him, as does their son. He's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's walking around. It's a around. great role. Bad guy, great role. Yeah. There are two or three lines in Shakespeare that are my favorite lines. You're not going to ask me this, but I'm going to talk about Please. it anyway. And, and I have always loved not the great purple passages of Shakespeare, and there are so many, and they're so wonderful, but I love those moments when he has characters say something very simple. The great one from Winter's Tale, the really great one, is when Leontes, who was so mad and insane and spent 16 years regretting what he had done, is finally introduced to a statue that was made of his wife. And someone says to him, if you believe, she will come back to life. And the statue steps down off her plinth and gives her ex-husband her hand and he says oh she's warm that devastating is, that is creepy yes that is not a reason for killing your wife <laughs> well thank it's bad don't do it thank you for uh, also writing a better end to the quiz than we could have planned. Is, is it over? Yeah, because you won. Oh, I did. Thank you. Thank you. Not only is Hillary Ann Kotler going to get an Ask Me Another Anagram t-shirt, but you, Sir Patrick Stewart, are also going to get an Ask Me Another Anagram t-shirt. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our VIP, Sir Patrick Stewart. Thank you, Thank you very much. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back Fred, Steffi, Allie, Tom, and Pat to play our Ask Me One More final round. Our puzzle guru, Archung, will lead the final round. Thanks, Ophira. This final round is called One Vowel at a Time. Each answer is a word that contains each of the five vowels, A, E, I, O, and U, exactly once. So for example, if I said it's a state of extreme physical or mental fatigue, you would say exhaustion. 
We're playing the spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give us an answer. The last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. For your prize, you'll receive full access to Stars Play to watch Sir Patrick's Blunt Talk and other great Stars shows. So here we go. Fred, someone who's equally skilled with left and right hands is called this. Ambidextrous. That's correct. Steffi, this vegetable looks a lot like a very pale version of its relative, broccoli. Cauliflower? That's right. <laughs> Allie, this term refers to what's said by characters in television programs and films. Dialogue. That's right. <laughs> Tom, this kind of party is often thrown by people after they move into a new home. Housewarming. You got it. <laughs> Pat. Food so delicious it literally makes you salivate can be described as this. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, you have no idea? All right, let's move to Fred. Fred, do you know? Ambrosial? No. No, I'm sorry, that's not right. Let's go to Steffi. She's looking at Allie. No, no I don't know. Three seconds, no. Allie, do you know? No, shaking your head. Tom, if you know the answer, you're our grand prize winner. Well, I'm really, really hoping it's mouth-watering. That's right. Tom, well done. Tom, you're our Ask Me Another big winner. Enjoy your prize. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's our show. Thank you so much for playing. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. Come see us live. Go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now Jolta Cannon. Additional puzzle writing by Greg Lightman, Josiah Madigan, J. Keith Van Stratton, and senior writers Kyle Beakley and Karen Lurie. Ask Me Another is produced by Josh Rogerson. So Jig Honors. Danny Shin. Lena Mazitsis, Mike Katziff, Annabelle Bacon, and our intern, Mackenzie Austin. Our executive producer is Jesse Baker. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Muller, and David Hurtgen. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we meet NPR's Tiny Desk contest winner, Galen Lee. She performs her winning song and then quizzes NPR Music's Bob Boylan about things you can find in a desk. Ibuprofen, oh. Advil, ex- uh, 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 Rhymes uh, with Xylenol. Oh, Tylenol, yeah. <laughs> Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia.